You're listening to the Classic Gamers Guild Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Classic Gamers Guild. I'm here today with Rick and Paul. Hey guys, how's it going? Ah, it's all right, thank you. Before we begin here, I'm just uh, going to flat out say that I probably will not be participating too much in this episode because um, uh, situations being what they were, I did not actually have a chance to play the game that we we're about to discuss to any significant degree. So I have absolutely no right or reason to <laughs> contribute to this conversation. Um, but that being said, the two reasons why I did decide to actually show up is number one, I have to record this because I'm going to edit it. And uh, number two, I did want to sort of throw in a little point in regards to um, an episode a couple weeks ago now in which we talked about rating systems and how I said five was mediocre. You said five was average. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to make a little, th- there was one sentence I wanted to throw in there and I never got around to, which mm-hmm. kind of changes things a little bit. Um, five is mediocre. That is just by definition. But um, when I say that five isn't average, that is not always true because five can be average if you decide that the average game is mediocre (laughs) yep that is true yeah (laughs) and i i actually do feel that way so i'm feeling what you're saying right now yeah all right well there you go we have agreed that five is both mediocre and average and we can work (laughs) off of that that being said i'm doing good (laughs) <laughs> oh hey Paul, how's it going? <laughs> Sorry, I didn't notice you were there. <laughs> um, you know, Rick, I, I think that you should be more active than you're planning in this episode. I think you should take really strong stances on things to which you don't know about and just argue them to death. Just have yeah, because he, oh. he doesn't do that in general when <laughs> we talk about Gold Rush or anything. <laughs> So now you wouldn't be able to tell, but we're actually here tonight to continue our October horror series uh, tonight with the game that was applicably scary. Thank you. (laughs) For the wrong reasons. (laughs) (laughs) On this episode, we're talking about Blackstone Chronicles, a game that apparently most of you have never heard of. Uh, (laughs) It's a game that was developed by Legend Entertainment and Red Orb Entertainment and was published by Mindscape. So these companies have done a couple other good games out there. But uh, What if I point out one reason why nobody has heard of it until now? Uh, Because both times that it has been mentioned on this show in the past, I've had to edit it (laughs) out because the name has been spoken incorrectly each time. I'm such a huge fan of the Blackwell <laughs> series that I keep calling every game Blackwell because those games are just so great. It's a compliment. But yeah, this is a, a game that takes place uh, a few months, I believe, is the time frame after uh, the series of books written by John Saul, and they're called, <laughs> aptly enough, the Blackstone Chronicles. So they give you an idea of the characters and and what's going on. But this is an entirely new story. It's not following the plot line of the book, which is actually kind of like in the mouth of madness in that way. It's building on the story and the characters in a different way. False advertising. (laughs) And and unlike our last episode with I Have No Mouth, I didn't read all 
17 Chronicle books that there are, so we're, gonna to, we're not going to be covering both. Well, that's just lazy, Paul, isn't it? Yeah, I did give you guys like three months, although, you know, that means we're all supposed to start playing the games like three days before the episodes, right? Which is our history. Yeah, I, I have this thing called executive dysfunction. I, I'm not sure if I mentioned it on the show before, but sometimes, um, despite any and all reason, logic, and urgency... I am not able to convince my brain to do things. That's actually a thing. If you look it up, it's an actual, mm -hmm. I've struggled with this a lot in my life. Mm -hmm. uh, I was going to make a dick joke, but you just made it kind of serious. So I'm going to refrain. Yeah. Sorry. I totally dragged the mood down on that one. That's okay. I remember looking into all that stuff too. I like to think I have all sorts of things and, and, uh, and, I mean, I don't know. I may or may not. I've never been formally tested for anything, but by dropping out of school as early as I did, I did I'm assuming <laughs> I had something going on <laughs> or not going on is the case. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Are we missing stuff? Do we have extra stuff we're not supposed to have, Rick? Paul? I don't know. Something. <laughs> I, I like to look up different conditions so that I can be like, I can cherry pick which ones I like and just be like, that's me from now yeah, on. I have, I and I'm just going to do one. that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have Tourette's now, you son of a... Not only do I have it, but I'm going to be the best at it, too. <laughs> so, uh, Legend Entertainment, they did some other great games, eh? They did the spellcasting series. I have the big box of 101 and 201. Uh, they also did Eric the Unready. So, that's kind of cool. Oh, Companions nice. of Xanth, Shannara. Or how... No, I pronounced it wrong. Shan... No, is it Shannara? Okay. It's supposed to be pronounced Shannara. Shannara. Apparently. Oh, okay. And I, I acknowledge that that is the official correct pronunciation of it. <laughs> <laughs> and you can see where this is going. I mm -hmm. cannot pronounce it that way for the life of me. It's just the way it rolls off my tongue. It has to be Shannara. Yeah, that, that's what comes to me. And they did Callahan's Cross Time Saloon, which is a pretty awesome oh, game. Yeah. So the Unreal 2. We've heard of that one. Not Unreal 1, apparently, but Unreal 2. So there, there were some names behind this uh, this game. Uh, the other company was uh, behind Prince of Persia 3D or Riven, which is not much of a surprise because for those of you that haven't played this game, it is sort of a, a it's a still motion game that's enhanced by quick time videos. Would you say that's correct? Uh Yes. I would just say I'm I'm really glad that you didn't mention even the word Riven anywhere around this game before <laughs> I played it or I might not have. Like I I I kind of can't believe that I actually enjoyed this knowing that, that it, I guess it was kind of a little bit like Riven or Mist or ugh, whatever. Uh, but I didn't know it was cuz I don't like those games and I played this game not knowing I didn't like those games and I still liked this game and I think it, part of it is my fascination with psychiatric institutions that mm. was like, oh yeah, it draws me in. And I loved the reading component of the game. Uh, there was quite a bit of reading, really, if you want to get into the nitty gritty of it. Yeah. Actually, sorry, just because I do feel I want to contribute every once in a while here, which I generally can't if we're actually going to talk about the game directly. Um, what is it about that style? Like, is it, um, like, how do you guys feel about something like the seventh guest or the 11th hour it's like is it the actual format that sort of drives us away or mm -hmm. is it the game like is it oh i don't like mist but i'm totally fine with blackstone chronicles even though they very much look like similar uh gameplay mechanics it's a really yeah, good point I would, I would say that i think a lot of it 
has to do with the first person perspective for me personally. Like, like mm-hmm. I, the first half hour of this game, I really struck, like, I was really worried. I'm like, I don't, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to end up just watching this game on YouTube, aren't I? Like, I, I had to sit down <laughs> with myself. Like, this is, this is not looking good for me finishing this game. And luckily, I, I got through the first 30, 40 minutes and the, and the story actually took hold and I was into it. But yeah, there's just something about the, the first person. It, it, I feel, I don't it, like I, I know what they're going for, but instead of feeling like the character in the game, I feel more disconnected. Like it, I don't know. Yeah, it's so weird. Like how that weird. Works. Yeah, it, it really is weird because you would think on paper you'd feel more connected. Like you know, I'm seeing it through my eyes, and this mm-hmm. is what I would see if I was in the room. But I, for some reason, I, just, I get really disconnected with that. Yeah, I, I ended up turning off the seamless motion too. Like I said, I just wanted the game to. To be there, and and it wasn't until you get later in and you start meeting the characters and and getting into that side of things, or or maybe the moment when it, the game takes a hold and puts you in a timed action sequence that's actually kind of fun and doesn't screw you over if you die. It, you know, that's kind of reasonable too. Unlike Mist, it, it has a story, so that's nice. You know, <laughs> instead of just instead of just wandering around the wilderness, coming across weird geometric patterns and such. I don't know. It's been forever since I since I played Miss. But uh, I, what about you, Lot? Do you do you get a weird disconnection with the first person thing with other games? Yes and no. Um, I mean, an RPG is generally okay for me. Uh, it's not my preferred method, but it's acceptable. But then there's like, uh, yeah, I, I think I mentioned before, um, if there's not smooth scrolling between screens, it's hard for me to follow a grid based dungeon crawler. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of something like Seventh Guest, Eleventh Hour, Mist Riven, Return to Zork, blah blah blah, um, I, I don't know what it is. I, I I think it's just it came at that time when we were moving away from um that classic pixel art, and I think yeah. it just kind of like represents more so than anything else. <laughs> It's just the fact that it represents that sort of the uh, that death of the classic point and click era to it me. It does. It it enhances the chasm that us yeah. as adventure gamers had right around that time between '96 and 2002 mm-hmm. to, to 2003. It was it was hard days, and when they give us products like that, we're like, that's not what we were looking for, <laughs> though. Yeah. But and they're you're calling it an adventure game. Yeah. And, yeah, and, and that's another thing I want to point out. It's it's not even like the point and clicks what really went away. There were quite a few um, mm-hmm. very shortly after and continuing on through, blah, blah, blah. You know, they never really disappeared as much as we'd like to remember that they did. <laughs> but it was definitely a different path. It was mm-hmm. that fork in the road where it's like, well, here's some adventure games that are kind of sticking to the classic. And then here's the ones that want to take it somewhere new. And mm-hmm. no, it's not inherently bad to try to do something new. But at the time, it was for me. Like, <laughs> I didn't want new. I just keep no. doing the stuff I like. Same. And I didn't like any of them. I mean, I haven't played them fully at all. Maybe I haven't spent more than 10 minutes on any of them, Seventh Guest or Mist or Riven or any of them. So this game just, although it should be the same kind of game and it should turn me off in the same way, it was engaging enough of a story. And I think a part of it is because the author himself was involved. And there's a certain amount of creativity behind it that's not just about beauty and game design. Although I have to say the musical score and the backgrounds were very pretty. Yeah. Uh, maybe not pretty is pretty very 
you know, there was a lot of ambiance. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think too, like, like Seventh Guest and, and Mist were, were, you know, the, the, the probably behind the reason for such a shift into it because they sold so well. So, you know, let's, let's do more of that. And, and I just personally just happened to just not like either of those at all. Mm-hmm, um, Mist for reasons I, I've, I've covered and, and, Seventh guest, you know, just the, the logical puzzles was just ugh. like, I, I, in other words, I feel like because the two most popular ones that got that whole ball rolling were, were I didn't like it all. I just, I, you can't help but associate everything back to them mm-hmm. in a way. And I, if I'd I, had I known know. this game was like those games, I wouldn't have played it, but I was blinded by it because I'm a huge fan of John Saul books and his books are the kind of books that do this terrible thing at the end where they leave it open-ended, like everything's just about resolved, but book over. Is there a t- second book? No. He does that all the time, right? So he leaves off the series like that. So getting a game was really exciting. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, I, I guess I would say one thing in terms of that whole kind of a uh, game design, uh, you know, like the, you know, that particular genre of adventure games. Um, I, I can't speak factually if this was exactly the cause and effect, but if people don't understand why we have that aversion to this kind of game, and I'm not really saying that they're exactly the same, but I will say that I get the same feeling towards like a mist or a Riven as I do towards a hidden object game. Cause I do yeah. feel that they are kind of connected. <laughs> yeah. I feel that it is mm-hmm. like further down that path. Same. Yeah, yeah. There's definitely a weird association going on. I, I, I would have, I would have never played this game if it wasn't for the fact that I kind of had to, because I made, yeah. I, no, I, I made Anna play, you know, play my game. I, I kind of had to. I was like, all right, you know, let's let's just get through. But there was a point in the first thirty minutes. I was, I was pretty sure I was going to end up on YouTube. Just, just you know double tapping the screen through seven hours of gameplay <laughs> but but luckily the story kicks in and, and while i don't know john saul's books or anything like that um you you i can't say i could tell that the the original author was behind it i, I could just tell that a good writer was behind the game because um, mm-hmm. it was really interesting and there was a nice um it didn't remind me of jane jensen but but just the fact of of mixing in actual facts along mm-hmm. with the fiction was really cool like you actually learn a little bit about you know medieval through 18th, 19th century medicine, which was pretty, you know, that kind of kept me hooked. I, I like, I like just a dash of history, not to mm-hmm. where it feels like primary, but yeah, just, just, a, just a peppering of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the characters were super memorable as well. I mean, each of them had such an interesting personality, which I always thought was neat because you never actually see them. The only people you see is your father and your son, and that's it throughout the game. Yeah. Yeah, and and uh, only because I have a jokey comment about it. You do see, you do see your wife towards the end who, <laughs> who can't manage to to act for a still photograph of her sleeping because she's got a <laughs> tiny smile. <laughs> like, dude, yeah. you just all you gotta do is just pose like you're sleeping, and you blew it. Oh, I love it. I like I like how they managed to involve the rhinoceros at the very end. That was great. That was awesome. That was. <laughs> It was cool because it was like, wow, the thing I've needed this whole game was mm-hmm. like one of the first things I saw in the game. Mm-hmm. You bastards. <laughs> so I don't know if you've gotten the gist, but the point of this game is you have to unravel the story for all of these ghosts that are kind of brought out through their objects that are left in the game. 
And that, that's kind of the gist of it so that you can, uh, figure out what you're going to do with the place and end up getting your, uh, your son back, hopefully, who, I don't know, the scenes with the son are kind of like cheesy. They're really meant to like pull at your worry heart strings, right? Cause you're supposed to feel the pressure that he's feeling, I guess. Yeah. Well, that was, that was <laughs> getting, getting my critiques out of the way, I guess that, that was, <laughs> and again, it wasn't, it was in a harmless way. It was in almost a comedic way that, that, um, the the person you play as Oliver, um, his his son is is the one that's that's trapped away in in a hidden room inside of this giant abandoned not really a bit yeah I guess abandoned asylum, mm-hmm. and um and every time throughout the game they pepper in these cutscenes just to remind you of, I guess the urgency but just remind you of the goal in general that that you know you're you're trying to save your son and <clears throat> and so he'll be like Daddy I'm scared and mm-hmm. and you being Daddy or Oliver is a dick every time. <laughs> Every time, be like, "Daddy, I'm so scared." And then I, it was a lot of it was the voice actor's fault. But he would be like, "I'm sure you are, Oliver. Listen, I'm doing the best I can." And it's like <laughs> That's exactly how he says it too. <laughs> just like these really cold comments, like your son is locked in a dungeon in a <laughs> asylum, he's pissing himself in fear, and you're and you're just like, "Look, mate, get all the way off my back about it. I'm trying to get there." He's such a dick. <laughs> <laughs> but it was to the point it, it didn't it didn't push me away from the game. It made me actually excited for the next interaction between the two because they were all just so comedically horrible. They were. <laughs> Color another picture, kid. You'll be fine. <laughs> Do you think this is easy? You try doing this. <laughs> like, towards the end, I was waiting for him to be like, "Daddy," and he'd be like, "Jesus Christ, what?" <laughs> 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 like that I mean, was the level he was at by the end of it because you're really you're spending the game worried about the mental health of your main character because oliver is potentially talking to a photograph and putting himself through all of these tortures because he actually goes into the electric chair into the iron maiden and and there's nobody really around so of course the painting is spending all of its time telling you that you're actually the crazy one and you're kind of like hmm maybe i am yeah, yeah, that that was a cool aspect too. And the one other thing that got me was that was kind of it was necessary for the gameplay, but it it played the story a little weird as far as you need to get to your son in a hurry. Was that you know your son is is locked away from you, and the goal of the game is to find your son. But in in the meantime, you're gonna do a lot of voluntary side quests before getting there. Like you know what I mean? Like as a dad, he doesn't just like open every door immediately and just dig for your son. He opens the door and oh, there's a ghost. Let's get to know them. Let's read this plaque. Oh, she's missing a lighter. Let's help her find it. It's, Exactly. It's like he gets very quickly sidetracked from looking for his lost son. Um, and all of a sudden you're learning history about Mary, Queen of Scots, and you're like, how did I get here yeah. and why is it fun? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, and, but all that said, the, the, not even critiques, because honestly, they they enhanced the game. They made it they made it more fun. And, and yeah, it, it was done really well. I, the, I liked the, uh, the ghost aspect. Like, I don't know why I didn't see it coming. I, I guess it was obvious in hindsight, but I, I didn't really... I, I just didn't, I don't think I had expectations, so I didn't know what how it was all going to play out. But but having the ghosts and they all have that one, like you said, Anna, like, like a tether, I guess, to the physical mm-hmm. world that you had to help them find. I, I thought that was all really cool. Mm-hmm. Yep, and like I said, in the Lucas Arts way, you just you can't die. I mean, you can die, but and it'll even kind of tell you, did you die? 
here, sort this out. It's yeah. okay. Just like do this and then it's okay. You're like, oh, okay. The hardest part was like figuring out Malcolm's bookshelf to get into the secret room. And then you're like, where do I get these symbols from? And, and who are the greatest minds? And, you know, you figure yeah, out him, yeah, was... I think, quick, kind of quickly. And then as long as you're looking around, you know, you can get it, but. Yeah, I, and I, it's funny you mentioned that one because I, I really liked that puzzle because mm -hmm. it, it reminded me of, of how good of a job the game was doing because right away the, one of the first things that came into my head was if there's four great minds, one of them's going to be Malcolm. Mm -hmm. like, like, it totally so, in other words, sense. It, did, it felt yeah, good it to solve good it job. too. <laughs> it did, yeah. Like the mm -hmm. game taught you very, you know, just very clearly that, that he was a narcissist. So, so right away I'm like, it's gonna, one of them's definitely him. We know that. And then you click and you find he did have a book on the shelf. So you're like, yeah. It's, it's going to be him. Here's a question to, to both of you. Again, one that doesn't revolve around having played the game necessarily, but do you notice that Malcolm is used as a bad guy's name a lot? Yeah. Is that me? Is that a thing? It's weird, right? What's up well, with I mean, that? It feels that way. I mean, Malcolm was the uh, villain of the Kirandia series. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. What else? I, I feel that that's correct, but I'm just trying to think of uh, examples here. It's the kind of name that makes me think of fingers steepled together and like evil villain Jafar-like kind of, I don't know, it just brings it to mind. I, th I think the name Malcolm just inspires image of Malcolm McDowell. Hmm. And I think that just means, you know, he's just everything that's evil. So I feel like I should know who that is offhand, but I don't. From A Clockwork Orange. Right. And like every other villain role. That hasn't been given to Alan Rickman. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, Malcolm. Malcolm's probably the star of this game. The, the voice acting for him was was amazing. I know I kind of I kind of shit on Oliver's voice acting because it was, <laughs> it was it was eh. It was it was honestly it was kind of hit or miss. It, it wasn't mm -hmm. the worst. It, maybe it was actually decent. He just at the time didn't have any children, so didn't know how to go about acting like he was talking to one of his. <laughs> but. <laughs> There was there was one so it's popped in my head where where he's like Daddy I'm scared I'm all alone and he's like Do you have your teddy bear with you Yes Well then you're not alone <laughs> like, Oh my god <laughs> That's totally something I would say in exactly that tone <laughs> This is exactly why I shouldn't ever have a kid <laughs> Hey what did you think Paul about the uh, the surgery room the whole story with that uh, Abe Oh, that was horrible, right? That was, wasn't it? That was a bit of a twist too, because you know they they first of all I didn't, when they when you go through like the file of of what happened, um, I didn't. I, maybe it was me, and I just missed that it was a child. But in my head, mm -hmm. I was like, Abe, you know, was 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 somebody who was who was uh, homosexual, and and this yeah. was a you know back in the the twenties or whenever where they you know that was not acceptable. So they were trying to remove it from him physically by taking. Mm -hmm. Organs out of him and taking of yeah pieces exactly eventually down to him having no legs and they're trying to cut it out of him literally. Um, mm -hmm. But you basically find out that his mother wanted a daughter, so mm -hmm. she dressed him up like a girl and treated him like a girl, and he just loved his mom so much. She's like, oh, I don't mind, I just go along with it because it makes her happy. So mm -hmm. it, was, it was just horrible. So like it took sweet. something horrendous and made it worse. Oh, yeah. I know. And he's playing like little hide and seek games with you, and his voice is so like it's okay. You know, yeah, things aren't adorable. really that yeah. bad. I'm kind of lonely, but you know. <laughs> yeah, like I couldn't even, I, with the I Spy game, you play it two or three times with them, and the fact that there was an option to say no broke my heart. I'm like, who, what kind of cold hearted bastard would say <laughs> no? You, you realize what's in the jars, and you're like, oh, yeah. That's <laughs> yeah. <sad. laughs> 
<laughs> so Anna, when did you say you played this game originally? Mm, I probably when uh, must have been about two thousand and one. Is that is that like pretty close to when it came out? Yeah, it came out in ninety eight. Okay, I mean, like, how does it compare to like the games that you were playing at that time? It, I've, I totally rated it really high. It was in mm -hmm. my top games list around then for quite a while. Uh, I didn't have a lot of games that I could run at that time. I didn't yeah. even have a lot of games going. I was feeling a little bit disgruntled. Everything I ran, I ran in DOS. I was just replaying the older games and I was kind of like, er. So when this came out and I, well, I, it was a few years later, but when it came into my hot little hands, I was super excited for it. But like I said, I was already a fan of the books. Oh, right, right. So that would have definitely blinded me to a few things, <laughs> obviously. So do you think anyone who is a fan of the books would be a fan of the games? Or is that just sort of like, you know, some people, are, it, it makes them like hypercritical, right? It's a pretty accessible game. I don't know, like, even though you don't like that kind of game, Paul, you made it through. I thought that they actually made it quite logical. And I thought the puzzles were fairly well done. Yeah, no, I really like the game. I, I think out of the gate, I've, I've I've pretty much laid out all all of my critiques off the bat. But that's all I have. Like ultimately, ultimately, it was a really fun time. Like it, the story was awesome. It was it was everything I like in in just a normal adventure game, which is just immersion through story. And and it was a genuinely good story. Like it was this game kept me up till three thirty four a.m. for the three or four nights in a row that I played it because I had I did have a hard time turning it off. Like I had to see through the. The, the mm -hmm. chapter, if you will, the, the ghost, I guess, more more so before I, like I could to go to bed. Like, it, it was that good. I like to hear that it stands up enough to make you feel that way now, because that's, that's exactly how it made me feel before. And, and that's kind of the feeling I'm looking for when I play a new game. You get that little beat of excitement in the back of your head, and you really hope that the game you're going to play is going to live up to it. So, Yeah. Yeah, and it, I think this game's why good adventure games are kind of timeless, because if the story's really good... It does, mm -hmm. the, you know, the art, the, and this is a great example. I mean, a lot of people don't like pixel art. So if it's a great adventure game, the pixel art won't matter. For me, who doesn't like this early 3D, you know, first person perspective, it, it kind of didn't matter because the story was, was really good. It, it, it didn't, it wasn't really dated or aged. Maybe the only thing that ages it is the, the still photos of your son looking all <laughs> 90s. But <laughs> I might be a little bit sheltered because of the guild, but is there anyone who doesn't like pixel art? I don't know. Crickets. I hope not. I mean, like, obviously, Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, there are people like myself who aren't exclusively in favor of pixel art. Like, I like all hmm. forms of uh, hmm. uh, of art and graphics, but I never heard anyone be like, "Oh, I'm not going to play that game. It's got pixels." <laughs> yeah, that, no, that's a great point. I, I'm trying to think if I if if I could recall anyone like in a post or something saying that. Like, I feel like I've maybe seen it a time, like maybe in response to a Wadjidai game coming out. Like, oh, why is it, you know, why is it going to be in pixel art? Or, if you have a problem with pixel be... art, we are going to look for you this week and we are going to find you and we will call you out. Yeah. I mean, I don't know, maybe with younger people, but I know that you, Anna, have raised your kids properly. Mm hmm. Oh, yeah. Pixel art is doing just fine around here. <laughs> yeah. And even with the younger kids, the, the, there is that thing where... It, it might be a passing phase now, but like the last couple of years, it's been like kind of cool to like it. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. of more on like the Mario sprite side of things, but but it was definitely cool with with kids that were too young to have actually played pixel art games. 
So this is this is random, but it's something I just need to bring up during the discussion of this game. Was I was in love with the voice actor who did the Jack Nicholson voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the guy in the uh, basement there where the fire furnace was, Seamus or something. He was in the bloody what was it? He was in the electrotherapy room. Oh, the electrotherapy room. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Not not the Irish oh, guy that, down in the basement. Paul? No. I think I think his name might have been Jack, as as on the nose as that is. But it, it was a straight Jack Nicholson <laughs> impersonation, especially like in the 90s when that was a thing for some reason. <laughs> yeah. Especially, what am I saying, like Animaniacs, I think, kind of did it, right? Well, I mean, anyone who ever does um, impressions for comedy always does Jack Nicholson. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's true. That's something that's gone on. That's why I don't really like impressions, um, impression segments in stand-up comedy acts, because I see a lot of stand-up comedy and no one ever, it, I don't know, you can tell the good ones from the not so good ones because, like, the good ones will actually, like, incorporate it into the act. But every time I hear a stand up comedian say, So I'm going to do some impressions now, I'm just like, Oh. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Here comes yeah. Jack Nicholson and Christopher Walken, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right about the Jack Nicholson thing because, like, uh, and as much as I loved it, but uh, Quest for Glory 4. When mm-hmm. they got the voice actors in there, there was like Too a Jack Nicholson, a Rodney Dangerfield, and then another Jack Nicholson. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> They're yeah, just like, just... what what accent is it you want to use? Jack Nicholson. You're like, okay, sure. Which what accent do you want to use? Jack Nicholson. Give her. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you couldn't have just chosen like three different celebrities. Yeah, it, it just it brought me right back to the nineties. Like I just had that moment of like, oh yeah, Jack Nicholson impressions were everywhere in the nineties, weren't they? Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they've fallen off form recently, understandably. I guess, but but anyway, oh, no, they're still around. Are they? Yeah. In the, in the depends on which circles. Facebook group you're in, <laughs> <laughs> or at least in the uh, comedy clubs. The guy did a he did an awesome job with it. Like in the beginning, like it takes a minute to get used to the fact that he's doing a sort of impression because obviously this game, well not maybe obviously, but it, I think it takes a, a few notes out of uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest. So so it definitely. It was a little fitting to have that Jack Nicholson character in the game again, mm-hmm. even if it was a bit on a the nose. Homage. But but as it goes on, he gets like really emotional, and and his mm-hmm. actual acting was mm-hmm. phenomenal. Like it made me step back and be like, this guy might be too good for video games. Like it was, <laughs> it was really good. Like especially towards the end, where he's because he's you know he's he's explaining to to you to to Oliver the main character like you know. Mm-hmm to play the game this and, and, you know, to win the game that. And and so like towards the end of your back and forth, Oliver says to him, he's like, so, you know, did you, did you win? Did you get out? And he's just like, no, man, no, nobody man. wins. Nobody gets no. out of here. Like it was but just so hopeful. deep and You were perfect. hopeful. You're like, you feel that maybe potentially somehow he did. You kind of get into yeah, that, right? Exactly. Cause he was such a pro on how to play the game and everything. And he, you know, really rooting for him. And then, you know, it's like, so what happened? You know, and prior to that, one of the characters did get out, right? The girl mm-hmm. in the, um, the steam room. Yeah. Steam room girl. Yeah. She actually got out. So, so mm-hmm. you're like, it's possible. Maybe he did. And, and then he's just like, no, nah, man, nobody, nobody wins. And it was just, it was so well done. I was like, I was, I was, I was kind of emotional about it. You guys mm-hmm. make this sound so interesting. I think I'd really much rather listen to you guys tell me the story than to actually play it. <laughs> Which I'm well, not, and again, I'm not criticizing the game at all because I, mm-hmm. I don't have that right to, but I just like, you know, um, I did put it up on YouTube, like you said, Paul, because I just mm-hmm. couldn't bring myself to actually put the effort into getting it to run on my computer. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just like put it up on YouTube and even then it's like 
five minutes of just like, this looks like it could be a really good game. And I just can't even watch it for some reason. Just like the switch in my brain just uh, was set to off Mm -hmm. and I just would not receive it. Yeah. yeah, no, I get it. I I do. The first thirty minutes for me were painful. Like, and that's not to say the the, the opening of the game isn't bad. It's just no. this game represents everything I thought I hated. You know, mm-hmm. the early three D art, like we discussed earlier, the 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 that period where the adventure games that we love kind of died, and the first person, like it was everything I don't like in a game. So the first thirty minutes, even though they were good, I, I had the same feeling you did. I'm like, there, I can't, I was getting like anxiety. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> gonna be able to get through this. Like it's it's almost stressing me out. How much game is lying ahead of me? And and I just I, I, I was kicking and screaming. I was just fighting it for yeah, some yeah. reason. I, I commend you on that because man, I just could. Like, like I said, it it's part my fault, part not my fault. Like just. I have that executive dysfunction where it's just like, I can't convince myself. I can't convince my brain to actually undergo this. Uh, yeah. But, you know, sometimes yeah, I, I'm not like so bad. Like there are times where I can just like get to the, um, that final, uh, um, um, what's the moment? If, if I get to like that final crunch period where I'm sort of like, okay, I have to do this. I can sometimes like just pure muscle my way through. Uh, but I just didn't have the motivation on this one. I was just sort of like, yeah, you know what? I, I just feel like this is going to take so much out of me if I even try. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I think Paul and I exude enough enthusiasm to encourage at least one gentle listener to go ahead and pick up the mouse and give it a try. Uh, just know you, you can skip just about anything you want to skip, but you have to listen to the voices. You can't uh, change it from text to voice as an option, although there is a lot of reading outside of the voice acting. Yeah, yeah, and you really wouldn't want to because Malcolm is is the prominent voice in the game, um, mm-hmm. the antagonist, and and he's he's amazing. I mean, that mm-hmm. voice acting is phenomenal. It is. Um, he reminded me of that uh, inside the actor studio guy. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if that's yeah. visually or audibly, but he just reminded mm-hmm. me of him. Oh, he's great. You know what? He's he's kind of sarcastic. He's a little bit like he's pretentious, but he makes you feel so small. Yes. You know, like he's yeah. really good at being like, oh, yes, you really think that? Well, <laughs> you know, bully for you. <laughs> yeah, there's great moments like you, there's a door with a nine digit code and you approach it to not knowing how to get in. You approach it. The game knows you don't know. You know, you don't know. And he's just like, oh, Oliver, guessing, really? <laughs> you know, <laughs> and it's, I kind of felt called out as a, as a player. I'm like, he's, he's right. I mean, there's probably what, like 200,000 number combination here. I'll never guess it. Why am I even trying? Mm-hmm. And it really was set up in the way that you unlock as you go along. So it didn't present you with this great big game. It did. It sheltered you and and sort of guided you in the directions it wanted you to go. So it was very straightforward in its layout that way. Yeah. Yeah, it was very one thing at a time, which... which Mm -hmm. Uh, was all I could probably handle. You know, it, it was, it, I, <laughs> the, again, that could be the, the first person thing. This is weird. I, I, this is totally sort of off topic. It's going to kind of connect, but I, I get this weird claustrophobia about full open windows on my computer. So first mm-hmm. of all, do either of you ever get that? Like, do you know what I mean at all? I, I understand no. if not. Do you use your window, like do you, when you're in Chrome or whatever, do you, do you open it to full screen? Yes. No, I don't actually. I do. Okay, because I, I don't either. But if I do, I, I just I get real uh, antsy. Like, I feel real stuck in Chrome. <laughs> well, see, it, I, it doesn't affect me so much when I'm playing a game because I want to focus on that game. Mm-hmm. 
when it comes to other applications and other programs, I want to be able to quickly click over to the next one if I need to click over to the next one. Okay, right. So, so you get that's definitely the feeling I get as far as being you know not liking full windows. So I, I could I could maybe say thinking on the fly here that the first person perspective kind of gives me that weird claustrophobia. Like I, I don't right. feel like I can. I don't have peripheral vision. Like I don't feel like I can handle more than one thing at a time. I don't know why. It's you know totally a construct. But so this game was actually voted the 43rd best adventure game ever released back in 1998 in the Computer Gaming World magazine. 43rd. So of all the games that came out in 1998, this is the 43rd adventure game. Ever released. Best. It's that good. 43, man. But still nobody knows about this game. Blackstone Chronicles. Nobody's ever heard of it. Nobody's ever played it. I made another post again about it in the Classic Gamers Guild on Facebook, and I got one response. Somebody saying, oh, you played it too? Nobody I know has ever played this game. <laughs> but again, this is that time where we all just cumulatively, as a species, just decided that we aren't going to play adventure games anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it just went well, into the void. <laughs> it's funny because when I one of this this game was probably part of the reason I was like seething angry at this top one hundred list because I would scroll through and see all these like three D first person bullshit looking games that yeah, I wasn't what the into. Hell is that doing as a forty third spot? Jeez. <laughs> yeah, forty third when like Space Quest Four is forty nine or whatever, mm-hmm. and it was part of the reason why I got so pissed off with that list. But but yeah, so apologies because this game was it was actually a really good time. <laughs> that being said, Rick, you had mentioned a few minutes ago that that at least it was interesting hearing us talk about it. I hope so because to the listeners, I don't want to discourage them. I'll, I'll just just I'll issue a friendly warning that to get this game into play nowadays is a bit of a pain in the dick. <laughs> it's it's um, a labor of love. It's a bit difficult. Bit tricky. It, it doesn't seem to work on sixty-four uh, bit Windows, so so, uh, and it doesn't work on DOS either. So so you're gonna have to, uh, you know, if you have an XP machine or or a nine yeah. X machine, awesome. Or you're gonna have to set up like um, PCEM or, or eighty six box or something like that. You see, Paul, we've we've talked about this before, where um, a lot of my hobby with classic gaming is getting the games to work, mm-hmm. and then I don't actually play them. Um, but this one, I just didn't even bother trying to get it to work for some reason. Well, I'll tell you, it's not easy if you're trying to get it to run on Windows 10. So I just used my Windows XP machine and ran it right off my original CD that I had from when I was younger. So I didn't have to worry about any of that. But at the same time, I did have it crash at least three different times where it froze up the computer so completely I couldn't even control alt delete while I was playing it and I had to restart it. And it's hard to find, too. I mean, you can find it out there, but it's not as easy as some of the other games mm-hmm. to find. And it's funny. It comes with two CDs if you buy it. But Not, the not that we CD... would encourage people going out to find games on the internet. Of course not. But yeah, the second CD has high-res movies for all the animated scenes in the game. That's all. Like, you're like, oh, wow, it's a two-CD game. No, no. It's a one-CD game, but the QuickTime movies are in lower res on yeah. the game CD. And so you can't... It's not actually even another version of the game with the high-res movies. It's just literally a CD where you can watch the high-res movies that are involved in the game. I recently replayed uh, Leisure Suit Larry 3, and, and I thought it would be a fun idea to play it off of the floppy disk. Jesus, that is. That, that I don't want to leave this scene because I have to load the next scene to do it. Damn it. 
Oh yeah, like you really think hard about just walking to the next screen. Like, did you get everything you want in the screen? Because it's gonna be like five, <laughs> five seconds in 1989 was five seconds. Five seconds in 2020 is like three and a half minutes. Oh my god! You're just yeah. like, I don't have time for this bullshit. You like, start five feeling seconds, the stress. You're kidding me. You start yeah, picking at yourself. Yeah. You're just like, oh my god, I can't wait this four more seconds. Jesus. Okay. I my first computer that I had for years of playing a lot of these Sierra games. Um, didn't have a hard drive, so everything was manually by disk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Am I the only one who, I, not now, it's way gone from my memory at this point, but am I the only one who actually, like, memorized the disk loading sound patterns for each screen? Oh, Oh, no, course. I'm right there with you. Yeah. You know exactly. Oh, totally. Yeah. A mile away. That was important. <laughs> And what else what did you have to, to do? do? In that- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Exactly. That's what we did. Eventually, my mom got two disk drives on her work computer, and it was great. <laughs> <laughs> and then we got like a 20 megabyte hard drive. I was just in heaven. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, make sure not to put too much actual work on this thing. I need room for my game. Because <laughs> it was only yeah. one game, because that's all you had was one game. I need room for this game. Yeah. I will play this game till I'm finished, because oh. my dad's not going to get me another one till I give him this one to trade it back. Yeah, back then, like choosing which game was like a a major decision you had to make Mm -hmm. with your life this is what's going to be on my computer now it's like i i'm not just choosing this game i'm choosing to eliminate another game (laughs) this this game is 60 percent of my hard drive capacity (laughs) (laughs) oh it's not like now where you can just like easily reinstall it's like back then like installing a game was was an event yeah big deal (laughs) It's a time commitment, you know. There's a there's a lot to it. You really have to think about it. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, you'll you'll find a way. You, you, to to be a, to be into classic games, you got to be you got to be a, a little plucky, a little wily. I'm sure you'll you'll figure it out. I actually I started the game. I played about half of it on on the old computer, the, the actual old Pentium computer, and then I I grabbed the save games off of it, um, transferred it with a with a Zip 100 drive to my. <laughs> To my uh, to my Mac to my laptop and then I finished it on the Mac via Parallels. So any Mac users out there, if you have Parallels or if you don't, you could grab it and install Windows XP and and somehow play this game on a Macintosh for some reason. <laughs> Zip drives were great. My mom had a whole bunch of them. I remember her storing all of her data. I'm like, I can't believe you can store 100 megabytes on a disk. Oh my god! Yeah. Like it blew my mind. I, I just loved that it was like. Um, you know, usually disks are at that time, the small ones are like 1.44 megabytes. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you could have a 100 megabyte storage on a proportionately larger disk. Those were good days. Oh, and it has that weird 3D honeycomb piece of glass thing on the back. It was just so future. So, mm-hmm. yeah, anyway, play the bloody game. Yeah, it, it, you could. It's not it's not available in Steam or GOG, but you can you can probably find it on eBay. Again, we don't we don't endorse pirating. I'm I'm not gonna say that three seconds on Google will get you the game immediately, but we're not saying you should download this game. We're just saying that you kinda have to if you wanna play it. <laughs> yeah, go find it. Otherwise, you know, see if you can find the CDs. Like I said, you don't really need the second one, it's just the movies. Mm-hmm. Just need the first one. 
Just, if, it's already such an undertaking. Just throw on finding the physical copies onto the pile. Yeah, really. <laughs> if if you do if you do end up pirating it against your you know our better suggestions and your better judgment, just just tweet John Saul. Just say sorry with no context yeah. whatsoever. <laughs> you know what? I, I think we should just uh, set a rule here. It's like if you if there's any game that you cannot find outside of downloading. Just do your best to try to track down the developer and send them like ten bucks or whatever. You know, just like give yeah, them some yeah. money. Then, then you, then you've earned it. Yeah, exactly. Buy them, buy them a coffee. Apparently, uh, little tidbit from the Classic Gamers Guild: uh, Richard Aronson, who did the voice of Cedric, is still waiting to get a copy of King's Quest V from when he had completed his uh, voice acting parts. Oh wow. Yeah, he never got it. So if if anybody out there is listening, Ken, Roberta, get on that. So was he paid in games? He was paid almost nothing, <laughs> apparently, and one game, like twenty bucks in a game, is what he said. So so, so, so they are like twenty bucks, and you get a copy of the game, and they, and they didn't, they didn't get give the it to him. The game. Somebody get this man a copy of King's Somebody Quest Five. I tell you Richard what, Richard Aronson, a copy of King's Quest Five, please. <laughs> They're like, mate, here's what you do. You you take the money we gave you and you get the game with that. It's I know it's an extra it's enough, step. It's enough to cover one third of the game at twenty dollars. So. <laughs> and nowadays it's enough to cover about one tenth of the game. <laughs> I actually have a very nice copy of King's Quest Five. It was still in the shrink wrap and <laughs> that was his box. copy, damn it. <laughs> damn it. I'm Give sorry. it back. No, no, it's mine. <laughs> all right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for listening. That's all the time we've got. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this episode. Follow us on Facebook. We're a page and a group. Check us out on Instagram at CGG Podcast. Was that too many Gs? I don't think so. Nice. All right. Uh, we're on Twitter. Do us a tweet at the CG Guild. Um, you can email us at mail at classicgamersguild.com. Big special thank you to all of our Patreons. Thank you so much for supporting the show and showing us love. We really appreciate you very, very much. And to Mark Fillion and Jay Holmes in our extra special thank you tier. You guys are legends. We love you. Thank you so much for supporting us. And that's it. That's enough out of us. Have a have a bloody merry Halloween. Have a have a happy Halloween. Just, you know, have a have a fine day on the day the hollow have a good wednesday or whatever when halloween is all right and don't don't do a murder for god's sake halloween is actually saturday. on a saturday <laughs> by the way ah damn